one of the best versions of this song. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Thursday. And at this time uh, during the week, around 7 o'clock, or in our case, 6.55. 6.55 p.m. on a Thursday night. I'm starting to feel pretty accomplished as far as the week goes. This is a major point. It really is. It's a it's a it's a watershed moment. There's a lot of heavy lifting, and um, man, I wish I can tell you all the things that were going on today, but uh, that's just nonsense. That's all nonsense. Tonight we have more great things, great things to to, uh, to pull our attention toward, and that is a little bit of travel, a little bit of culture. We'll do our our normal opening act here and then for the first hour from around 7:25 to about eight o'clock right around the intermission time we're going to be joined by two great guests shane and melody of the real appalachia youtube channel and i'm going to get into all the stuff that they do and then we're going to talk and it's going to be really great because in the second half after the intermission We'll be able to take some calls from you guys. I'm just going to open up the lines. It'll be wide open lines in the second half. But I'm also going to have a very special hotline for all of you uh, anywhere in the country, really. Who, um, well, you'll see. You'll see. It's a special hotline. So all that's going on right there. And it's Thursday night. I'm enjoying myself. How has the headlines been treating you? Boy, well, we'll do a little bit of that later, maybe. We'll see what's on your mind. There's always something brewing. But I am so happy to be here right now, getting this one kicked off, and away we go. Tomorrow night's Friday. That's the 18th. Last night, we had a wonderful session three for the book club. You guys, get in on it. It's only going to get better as the year goes on. Uh, you still have time right now. Just just read a lot. You can get up to date with us with The Devil in the White City. It's not a short read, it's but it's just so awesome. And then in October, we're doing another book with uh, this, the co-host uh, Jay Dyer is coming back. And we're going to be doing The Godfather. Mario Puzo's The Godfather. So my goal here was to, A, keep myself, give myself a reason to have to read. And to lead a book club, I have got to read. I've got to know what the hell's going on. I've got to think of something to say. I've got to summarize. I've got to make some things that don't make sense to people make sense. But the audience does that for me, too. I mean, they're, they're pointing things out. We all, It's like steel sharpening steel. And the best thing is that so many more people are joining the forum because they're contributing to all the sessions of the book club. So many more people are reading when they haven't in years past. And the faster we become a nation of readers again, the better. And if this is just going to be my little, my little effort in that overall goal, objective, then I got to say it's been a mighty good time. And I hope that you join us in future sessions. So, okay. That's it. Thank you to all my wonderful sponsors and friends, affiliates on QuiteFrankly.tv, especially Blue Monster Prep. 
I got to take uh, some inventory of everything I have of theirs as the winter nears to make sure that I am in a good place. And you should, too. You should, too. There's plenty to think about outside of food and water filtration. So go and get cracking. All right. Here's a couple of emails I got first. One from the Peru discussion that we had on Monday or Tuesday night with with uh, Timothy Alberino. This one is from Tammy. Tammy says, hi, Frank. I had a couple of thoughts on what's going on in Peru. First, I think these things have been going on for a long time, but now that these villagers have cell phones and cameras, they are catching these things on quote-unquote film and sharing it with the rest of the world. Second, someone will now declare that these villagers need protection from these river miners. Yes, these um, levitating river miners... They will roll out some operation that relocates or in some way takes advantage of the villagers, and we will see more money yet to another laundry. Just my take. Well, there's Tammy and her theory. What do you think about that one? Uh, In New York and all over New York City and, and in other parts of New York, my hometown over here, migrants have been protesting. I mean, New Yorkers have been protesting migrants. The people who have been human trafficked over here from the, the border as part of a federal human trafficking scheme. Um, and they're acting like, oh, how, well, just too much for us to take. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Keep sending them to Westchester. Illegal alien crime has been reported more and more all over the state, especially uh, sexual assault. That has gotten a lot of people very, very upset. It's getting harder and harder to keep a lid on it. But as we were talking last week about about uh, Mr. Germanata, Lady Gaga's father, who was speaking out against what was going on uh, in all of these hotels that were once very prestigious hotels and are now being turned into third world wastelands and uh, in the outside, uh, it's just spilling out into the outside as well. I got this from uh, a viewer of the, the audience who works with New York City Sanitation, said Frank. I actually think that they are getting issued those motorbikes by some type of agency. So these motocross bikes, these like moped type things that I said, it couldn't be just new arrivals that have these things. They had to have been there for a while to be able to get them their hands on a motorbike. You need a license for those things anyway. Anyway, um, some people think no. Frank, I think that they're actually getting issued motorbikes by some type of agency. I work for the Department of Sanitation, and I'm in charge of cleaning up after the migrants. There are hundreds of these bikes, all brand new, all the same model at every location that these migrants inhabit. Everything Lady Gaga's father said was true, and then some. They've turned the streets into an open-air drug market. It's mostly young men of military age. I spend my nights catering to these freeloaders thanks to the taxpayers of New York City. Uh, This is a dystopian nightmare, and I fall deeper into depression every night, longing for the city I grew up in. It feels like I lost a family member or that I have to watch a family member destroy themselves while loving them from a distance. It's so depressing. Just don't say my name. The commies will fire me. So those are two emails that came in from prior discussions we've had. Uh, here's another one, a headline that I wanted to throw out there. I, I'm just going to read it to you, and then we can, hold on. This is, uh, let me get that out of the way. Let me get this up on the screen. Sorry. Headline from The Guardian. Hold on to your seats. 
Trump prosecutor Fannie Willis faces racist abuse after indicting ex-U.S. president. Wow. I, well, I, listen, we knew that the, we, we haven't gotten to the details yet. But of course, they're going to say racist abuse, just like every time they put out a movie that they think is going to be really uh, fantastic because they took an old character or an old storyline and reimagined it for modern audiences, pretty much taking all the white people out. They, they know exactly what's going to happen. People are going to say, Why, why'd you have to do this? Why'd you do this? Why do you think that this is going to be attractive to have this kind of politicizing of, of what is otherwise a generally well-loved story? Whatever the hell that story is, you can take any number of them at this point. And what do the, the, the production houses and the movie houses do then? Oh, the racists, the retrograde audience members, toxic masculinity, because they don't want to be able to, you know, they just can't take, they can't take anybody actually seeing what they're doing and seeing that there's no real nobility and no creativity behind it. Now, obviously, there's no creativity behind all these indictments either. But I said to myself, let's read a little bit more, because what, what could possibly be the issue here? Georgia prosecutors subjected to flurry of threats after Trump makes thinly veiled reference to the N-word after latest charges. Fannie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney in Georgia, who is prosecuting Donald Trump and 18 other allies over efforts to overturn the 2020 election. It's the Guardian. It's written like a, a disaster is facing a flurry of online abuse after the former president attacked opponents using the word riggers, a thinly veiled play on the N-word. That's, listen, he's at it again. The riggers are coming. I knew it. I knew when we were, when I was reading Trump's truth uh, you know the truth that he put out there and it, it is talking about the rigging and getting the riggers I knew it I didn't say anything I seriously knew that this was going to happen I didn't want to make a joke because I didn't want to give I don't think that they're watching the show but I didn't want to just put that out there into the ether give them any ideas that they may not have already had but of course they only have a one track mind so how could they have ever let this go I-G-G-E-R-S? Oh, the fact that anybody would even come close, that close. <laughs> of course. They never went after those that rigged the election, Trump wrote. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers. Willis is African-American. So, too, are the two New York-based prosecutors who have investigated Trump. The Manhattan. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? The, 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 what do the people who rigged the election that he's saying rigged the election? That happened three years ago. He's not talking about the, the DA. It's just the reaching and the twisting. It is incredible. It's incredible. I, you know, I'm glad I didn't say anything at the time. It's funnier this way. It's funnier this way. It really is. All right. Here's something else for you in the world of in the world of slippery slopes that they say don't exist. Headline from Zero Hedge. Minneapolis Arts Center slammed for encouraging family-friendly demon summoning. Okay. Here's your metropolitan culture right here. 
An arts and culture center in Minneapolis has received backlash after it promoted an event encouraging families to attend a ceremony to summon and befriend a demon of their choosing. Now remember, these are the same people who will tell you that after school Satan programs, uh, they, it's, it's misunderstood and everybody is just making a big deal out of nothing. It's not about worshiping Satan or anything like that. And now here they are. Alpha News reports that the Walker Art Center held a pagan ritual geared toward families last week with a performance called Lilith, the Empathic Demon. The event description on the organization's website reads, quote, demons have a bad reputation, but maybe we are just not very good at getting to know them, end quote. It's not even exaggerated at this point. The event featured an artist called Tamar Itun, who claims to create demon traps, which of course are people. Families are invited to create a vessel to trap the demon that knows them best. This is a quote. Perhaps the demon of overthinking and then participate in playful ceremony. Playful ceremony to summon and befriend their demon. The description further reads. Now, some of the parents, I will, I'll just put this out there right now because of all my research into this over the last few years. Some of these parents, um, at least the ones who know full well that this isn't. This isn't some game. Because there's, there's many out there who know this isn't some game. There's the, the dupes, the dopes, who are so... I, I don't know, maybe it's just because they feel like this is the ultimate way to get a conservative upset, to show how progressive they are, that they'll let their kid play in a playful way of, you know, dabbling in the spirit world or something like that. Like the idiots who allow their children in California worship Aztec gods even though uh, um, they spend the rest of their time, you know, it's probably all oh, really nice, nice culture, good like that. Christianity, oh no, no, backwards, backwards. Aztec gods, oh, oh, interesting. Go, honey, freaks. Anyway, uh, rest assured that there are parents here who are involved in these programs uh, in the country as they keep popping up, who had demons assigned to their children at birth. There are parents who dabble in these dark arts, and this is one of the ways that they are actually able to uh, condemn their own child's soul by linking, obviously there's ways for the child to be exercised and freed from that over time if they are able to diagnose what's going on and seek proper help. Um, but, but no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Some of these children have been assigned demons at birth. Uh, there are parents who know that this is not a game and they take it quite seriously. So keeping that in mind, I'm going to save that one for the next time we talk with Reverend Bill Bean or any other exorcist that comes on. Uh, here's another one for you. Daily Mail, a bizarre moment that a man is attacked by a furry after he's caught filming the fetish group on Huntington Beach in California. Oh. Two people in black wolf costumes got into an altercation at Huntington Beach on Saturday after a man who was recording them refused to leave. The incident, which was caught on video, happened at Sunset Beach Bonfire Fur Meat, where hundreds of furries were out in full force. 
It appears to start after a man was filming the group and had his phone in the face of one of the members who warned him to leave. Uh, here's the video. Now, there's the guy. Um, well, watch this. So, so this guy with no chin has his sunglasses in his hat on. This is at a beach in California. In the middle of August, it's got to be hot. The fact that these people are inside of these furry costumes dressed as dogs, cartoon dogs at that, is just sick to me. Take a look at this. So this guy's filming, and then he gets attacked, and then he he ends up becoming more wimpy than the people in the dog costumes. It's incredible. Okay, so now one of the furries just punched him once, then came over the top and hit him with a megaphone in the arm. And then another furry comes out of nowhere. It's just amazing to watch them uh, watch this scrum form with the furries. But now, listen, you're going to hear the screaming of the filming man. That's the guy who's not in the costume. Which made me think, this guy is a furry. He's out of costume, and he's he's romantically involved with somebody over there. It has to be. It has to be. I have to assume that. This is this is he said this is what furries do to you. This, this is what furries do. We are the uh, uh, George Carlin said it best. He said, "When you're born into this world, you have a ticket to the freak show. When you're born in the United States, you have a front row seat, and it is becoming more and more uh, evident that that is true." Let's watch a little bit more of this because why not? his helmet off i mean his his head <laughs> imagine the indignity at that point to have your head exposed the rest of you is a black dog and now you're fighting with everybody at the beach telling them to f off all oh, this is just hilarious i'm all oh, the the embarrassment all oh, the embarrassment <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh. And now he's going down to, to help the guy that he hits. You are right, bro. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's uh, that's California. There's still thing great things California should be proud of. Lot lot to be proud of there. The incident which was caught on video happened at Sunset Be- Sunset Beach. It appeared to start after a man was filming him. And then uh, it went south. Look at this. Look. It must be 90 degrees plus on that beach. And they're all in these... uh... (sighs) I don't even know. Well, there's something for you. It's 714. It's 714. I will say this before we get started. Uh, Again, anything that you find entertaining from this show tonight, whether it be... 
a really nice exchange with our guests that are coming up. It should be very, very, I, I can't wait to talk with Shane and Melody. But uh, anything funny, anything, uh, we're going to take calls afterwards. We need a worldwide highlight producing volunteer crew. Uh, the more clips, video clips you make of this show, screen captures, whatever it is, you can screen capture things just from your your iPhone. I'm sure the Android does the same thing. Upload it to Twitter, something like that. Tag me on Twitter. It's good. I will grab it, and we will reshare it. Every little bit counts. Thank you so much for all the help and the company. We'll be right back to kick this one off. Don't go anywhere. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! everybody so you know the deal now that we're now the show is off and running I would like to invite you all to send in super chats if you want to ask questions or if you want to leave comments uh, we'll spend a lot of time with the audience in the second half of this show uh, you can do that through the the universal super chat that we have set up for everybody no matter where you choose to watch no matter what chat room you you choose to hang your hat in that is quite frankly superchat.com. Anybody could use it, and that is what I see in real time. You can also leave off-air super chats that I can read the next day. That's uh, that's that's been done before. It's actually kind of cool. So go ahead and do that. There's also the Rumble rants on Rumble. I hope you guys uh, and gals partake in that. It's great to have you guys in line. Great, great listening audience all across the platforms. I'm happy. And the gold pills have already come in on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Thank you, Robert Sarns, and thank you, Sean Joe. I'm going to like those. Man, you guys are so, so sweet to me. I will say this, uh, one other thing, that last night's show is going... I loved it. If you have not watched last night's show or listened to last night's show yet with Diana Pasolka when we talked about American Cosmic and her um, uh, her career in religious studies and religion and technology and UFOs and how researching researching uh, purgatory and being in the Vatican archives and going through manuscripts and data over there actually led her to compiling a really incredible list of aerial anomalies and phenomena that um, I think is 
Oh, that opened up some wonderful avenues of conversation last night. And for me, that is going to easily slip into the top 10 for the year when it's all said and done. But it may be one of those underrated kind of episodes for some reason. I don't know why. I think it was just so subtly awesome. I would, I would, I would suggest you all go listen to it again or listen to it if you haven't already. But, you know, other than that, we get inundated by the culture of corruption and the culture of vice. We're learning about what's going on in Minneapolis from the, uh, from the demon summoning of Minneapolis to the sands, the furry sands of California. Oh boy. If you were to say, if somebody were to ask you, tell us a little bit about American culture, what would you say today? So, well, you don't want to talk about current American, American culture. Uh, you don't definitely want to do that, but with all of that stuff being thrown in our faces, we usually tend to forget all of the hidden stories that are around us, especially the stories that define the country. And, and we are a country that is, is defined by our small towns and villages. I guess you can say anybody, any country is that. It's, it's uh, the composite of all the smaller pieces, but even more so in the United States, where at least at first we were designed to be so decentralized that the the local municipalities and the the villages and the towns and uh, th- those were really that's where really everybody had the most power. That is where most of the biggest and most important decisions in people's lives were were made. And it's also really interesting to learn about how all these towns and villages were created, how they sprung up around factories and mining operations and all that, and how towns thrive and then they die and they go away and. It's just, um, it's just incredible, and for that reason, I have a very, uh, I'm very excited about having a brief chat with tonight's guests. That's Shane and Melody, who started a Real Appalachia YouTube channel, and it is really something. It really is. Um, they create videos that highlight the culture and heritage of the Appalachia region as they travel through, and um, I don't know. It's, it's. Gonna, I'm going to be putting them up on the screen. In just a little bit, all of their work, and we have so much else to say. And hell, I, you know what? Let's just get around to to just talking with them right now because I think Shane and Melody just showed up. Hey, you two, how you feeling? Hey, we're, Hi, we're good. Okay, now the first things first. I have to just say this: it has been a re- <laughs> up until today. I have been saying for my entire life, Appalachia. Oh no, my enti- my entire. So was I dead wrong? You were dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure most of us Yankees are, but uh, you know, so was, tell us, tell us about how to really say it for everybody out there, because I'm I'm trying my hardest, but it's it's going to slip out at some point. I know. It is Appalachia, okay. and a, a lot of people have started that thing now. If you say it wrong, I'll throw an Appalachia. Oh, as <laughs> like a breakdown of how to say it. Okay, I'll remember that one. You know, it took me a couple yeah. of took me a couple of tries, and people reminding me years ago, even about the state of Nevada. I used to say Nevada and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. They said, "No, no, no, Frank, it's Nevada." Like Dad, Ada, Ad. So okay, so I'm I'm trying to get all of my I'm trying to get my Americana down the best I can. <laughs> but you know, um, you guys, tell us a little bit about you first of all. Then we're going to get into your work, and I have so many other questions. Were you born and raised in West Virginia? How did you meet? Uh, go ahead. Let, let's hear about that. You go ahead. Okay. I think we're both from Southwest Virginia. I'm originally from a little town called Richlands, and uh, it's in Tazewell County, and it's just an old coal town. 
my family was coal miners for generations and generations and actually my first job was at a coal mine so i didn't go underground but that really gave me an appreciation for that kind of work and actually led to indirectly to what we're doing now and then i'm from Holnacre, which is in uh, russell county and that's another one that people pronounce wrong all the time they usually say Holnacre. But we say Honeacre, okay. and uh, it's in southwestern Virginia also. My family was more on the farmers and railroad worker side. So, and I think both of our ancestors come from like western North Carolina way. So we both have deep Appalachia roots. You know, it, it's always so interesting, especially for someone like someone like me, because uh, I I. Uh, I think the earliest I can probably trace my family to this country is 1899, 1900, around there. You know, they're they're coming over through Ellis Island, but we're we're talking in, in your neck of the woods. Uh, I mean, you know, no pun intended. In your neck of the woods, we're talking about very very old family lineages, and it's really incredible. So, how did you guys meet? So we we kind of met through this thing. Um, we weren't real Appalachia at the time. Shane had started something called the Appalachian Project, and I was kind of um, referred to him by somebody else as being a good person to interview when it comes to a young person that chose to stay in the area instead of moving off, because that's a lot of thing that we're seeing now so and you might can tell it better since you were kind of the one that reached out but yeah this was going back about 10 years when i very first started something called the appalachian project and really just tracing back our roots and kind of you know the area and what the history and then yeah i found out about melody and man she was at a central casting for me because you know she really got what i was looking for and it's pretty rare to see in, in a lot of young people these days they don't have the appreciation for our history and culture and heritage and so that really impressed me a lot that that's incredible because you know i i i didn't know that part of the story i, I thought that perhaps you guys were already together and you decided hey well you know I, it's obvious that you guys have a love and an interest for your home and and this is something that you love doing together so i thought that this was a joint project it's so much cooler that uh shane you 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 embarked on this before and you met melody along the way and you, you picked up a partner that's awesome yeah. yeah, I begged her to go on camera and so forth, too, because she's got more of the uh, accent everybody's looking for, too. And, uh, <laughs> we she... make a good team. I keep him in line. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? I think both of you guys your your videos they are they're very relaxing especially when you're going for a drive yeah. there's not too much that's put into music there's not there's nothing that's really it's almost like you're in the car with you guys and it's very very relaxing the dash cam uh, footage then when you get out and you explore um, and I think that's the one of the things that your videos constantly do is that they remind people that there's a real legacy in the United States that is the culture of the small town and there's so much history packed into the most unassuming places so um l let me ask you guys this because i'm sure you can talk about this forever what are some of the more mind-blowing discoveries or things that you have learned in your travels through these small american towns things that you never knew that you you you, you couldn't believe that you found in these almost obscure places now i think 
One thing for me is digging into the history of my own hometown of Honeacre, um, because you go there now and it's kind of sad to see, even for me, it's changed a lot since I was a teenager. Um, there's just not a whole lot. We don't even have a grocery store there. And then so to dig into that history, like you said, of all of these unassuming places, um, they were major hotspots. I mean, um, Johnson City, Tennessee is one place that we go to and um, we videoed. And it is like a little city for us. It's probably the biggest area around, not to other people, but I mean, Al Capone stopped off there regularly. And so it's just really neat to see that these places used to be bustling and they do have such a deep rooted history. And it is sad in a way to see what a lot of the places have went to, but I think that um, a lot are moving in the right direction with tourism and that kind of thing too. Yeah, well, uh, you know, whereas you guys said before, and, and Shane, we'll get to you because I'm sure that you have m many stories like that, things that you've, you know, uh, things you picked up along the way, things you learned that you didn't expect. But whereas you guys um, noticed and uh, said that there's a lot of people who are losing interest in uh, knowing where they came from and knowing about local history then want to just leave and pick up and go, there's also a reverse going on too. Uh, there, there are people who have been outside of that that bubble from the get-go that are feeling more and more like they, they, they want to connect to something that is simpler and real. And I think there's almost like a trading places going on right now. I don't know if you guys see any of that happening too. We do over here because we have so many friends from New York that are going to the Carolinas. They're going to Tennessee. They're, they're just getting away from here and trying to pick up a little bit more solitude and a little bit more community connection. So I, I don't know if you guys see that trading places going on at all. Do you? Oh yeah, definitely. We've um, we've talked with several people that in Southwest Virginia, particularly, there's a lot of houses that are being bought sight unseen from people that are off away from here, and we get a lot of comments uh, from people asking about where would be a good town to move in West Virginia, or where would be a good town to move in to Virginia, um, because I think that, like you said, people are getting more interested in where their people came from and they want to see and they want to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. We get, um, I just last week, we got an email from a guy from California and bought a place in West Virginia, a place he'd never seen, never been. And he'd seen one of our videos and found some property, just bought it sight unseen, ready to move there for at least a second home. Wow. Wow. It comes with a little bit because it's driving the real estate prices up here too. So yeah. it's a little bit of, it, it is it is there's also the culture shock that's going to happen there too oh, I, I, yeah. I mean i i i understand why i understand why most people that are fleeing california and new york are leaving but uh i i, I still don't know i still don't I, I think about me my wife my 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 baby going to uh, a, a re more remote place and whereas it's uh, very it's thrilling to the mind I know that there's going to be one hell of an adjustment because just the noise, the bustle, that goes away, and then all of a sudden, it's just uh, it's just you and your thoughts sometimes, and that's uh, well, but you know, getting back to um, that earlier question, Shane, I want to hear from you. What are some of the things that over the years you have learned about um, about towns, 
things that have happened there. Uh, I've seen many of your videos where you're showing incredible presidential history, campaign history, uh, gifts from France, that that friendship train from France and all that. I mean, there's there's so much going on there. What, What are the things that really stick out to you that you've learned? Well, growing up, there was not, I wasn't taught, and it's not even uh, common locally to have respect and appreciation for this area. But, you know, when we went, we went to McDowell County, West Virginia recently, and just to know how important that was nationally, and uh, to know that there was really a major center. Uh, you know, and back in the day, coal mining was so important that if you're a coal miner, you could actually get exempted from World War II. You know, they, they was that important to have coal mining and the coal fueled the Navy. and. Mm. And the native ships and all that stuff. So just to see that history, and then also what has floored me was just how diverse most of those coal towns were too. You had Eastern Europeans, you had they went to African Americans from the Deep South. They had the hillbilly guy people. We're all working together in these coal camps and making it work and having appreciation for each other too. It's just really a great example of great American melting pot. Oh, you know, stay on that for a second because that's another thing I've learned from you guys: uh, coal mining history. It could be, it is its own category, in, uh, especially in places like West Virginia. Uh, you've even mentioned coal wars in, in your video. Can, tell us about, can you tell us a story about a notable war, coal mining war? Is this, a, is this between competing coal companies? Are we talking sabotage and murder? And I mean, like, tell us about a coal war. Mostly that was because of unionization. UMWA was trying to come in early in the days of mining because, frankly, a lot of the companies, actually it happens these days even, but you know, any kind of company will abuse you if they can get away with it. So the union, they wanted to come in, and there was a lot of pushback from the coal companies. They actually, a lot of people don't realize this either. A lot of these towns didn't exist before the coal mines came in. They built the houses. They built the church. They built the schools. They owned everything. So there was no local police. Uh, so they brought their own police force in, in there, and they pretty much just ruled over these people. And there was a lot of pushback to that because everything was pro-company. So there was a lot of pushback on that. Like, I don't want to get into the whole story of Blair Mountain, but that was you know just a major uh, union versus coal operators showdown. And you saw, they called them gun thugs a lot. That was the police, I mean, the uh, coal operations detectives that they used to police those areas. But you know, it could be pretty brutal. Oh, brutal as in because when you when you talk about that, I think about movies like There Will Be Blood, and uh, you know th- that's a th- that's a a story where you have uh, a, a burgeoning oil baron, and you can see how these towns would pop up around oil wells too, where everything the oil company was was building everything from the churches to the schools, and then of course there is that prospect of once the oil well goes belly up and there's nothing left in there then what happens to these towns that were built around one particular kind of factory or one kind of operation do you think that is the main driver behind some of the shrinking and even the now abandoned ghost towns in the uh, Appalachia region absolutely especially using McDowell County as a uh, example again while those towns didn't exist at all they were completely populated with miners and so when the company abandoned the only people that were left for the most part were people who were either elderly or infirm for some reason. So they got kind of stuck there to, to some degree. And plus, when you've lived in a place for a generation or two, it becomes home to you. And so there are people really attached to those towns. But, yeah, it's not like they were bustling. The mines came in and took them apart. They didn't exist before. And now they're trying to make it work somehow after after the mining has gone away. Hmm. 
Man, oh man, I, you know, I, I was watching one, uh, we did a, actually, no, this was a couple of months ago, I did a Saturday night special, and it was about ghost towns, and, it, I mean, this is something that you find all over the country, not just West Virginia, where it, it's places, whether it's places like this, I, I was reading about a place called Flagstaff, Maine, where it was, um, it was a, a small town that was rich with history, a lot of people who love the town had a very patriotic history, everything, and it's underwater right now because of large construction projects that are that were designing to reroute rivers and break down dams, and they had to flood one one town to be able to create another. And uh, it, it, it's just crazy how these stories are all over the country. Out of the places that you have gone, what is the more I don't know uh, sad, spookiest ghost town that you've uh, that you've you've driven through? Good question. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to slap that label on it, but Pocahontas is pretty yeah. heartbreaking for me because it was such a boom town, had all these saloons, had all this activity going on, and there's, and there's so little of it left these days. And there was so much beautiful architecture, yeah. and now it's just the shell of that. So that was a good one. Um, that Blue Heron, Kentucky, yeah. that we went to, they've actually left like what they call ghost buildings and it's part of like the state park um but you can go and kind of read some of the history and see the not even really shell of the buildings they've just built little fake shells now where the buildings once stood so there's quite a few of those really in thurman Thurman, west virginia i think populations now last i looked was five people maybe and it used to have several hundred and it's still a uh, stop for amtrak which is odd when you go out there, though, it is eerie to get out and walk this town, and the buildings are still pretty much intact because the state of West Virginia took it over as a state park. But it's still, you walk around there, and you just feel all alone. I, I'm actually playing some footage of the Thurman trip in the background as we're talking right now because that is definitely one that I wanted to talk about. Four or five people still there. Now, have you ever conducted with any uh, conducted any interviews with any of the people who stay behind? Is one of the five people considered the mayor? I, I don't like like well, how does that work? Yeah, at one time it was that they started town council and all that kind of stuff at elections and. Uh, I don't know. Someone said, I haven't checked it out recently, but that it may be that even that population has dropped since then. So I don't know if they dissolved that or not. But it's uh, last I heard, I think it was four or five people. So. I, I, you know, you had mentioned the other one, Pocahontas. I um, I saw that video as well. You it was uh, something you made a comment about Christmas time, how this place was probably bustling, and then you threw up on the screen a picture of Pocahontas, this one strip of the town from like 1949, and it looked like a major metropolitan city. It, it and then to see to see it the the juxtaposition next to what it's like right now, it almost looked like. I don't know Iran. A- Iran after the, uh, the 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 revolution out there in the seventies. You know when you look at all the old pictures from Iran uh, before the the revolution, it's like girls are in bikinis and it looks very modern and you know top fashion and all that. And all of a sudden it goes to the Stone Age. It's uh, it's just really incredible. Is that another ex- um, example of a town that really had the wind taken out of its sails because of a coal mine? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then there's, we're, the videos haven't came out yet, but we just got back from a place called Keystone and North Fork, and those places are just, you know, they're still a wreck in a lot of ways, and they've cleaned them up a little bit. 
but it's still you, you can see that at one time this was a bustling boom town and you can see a little bit of the uh, diversity there too because they used a lot of Italian stonemasons to make these buildings and so forth so they they've stood the test of time pretty well and but you can see how well they were built originally and that they really spent time money and effort into making these really great towns yeah yeah, I, I, and, and you know, I love reading the comments. I have, I have one over here, one about Thurmond. Uh, somebody in the comments said, at one time, Thurmond was the only town in the U.S. that could only be reached by train. There wasn't a road to it at one time. So that, that's an incredible, that's, that's what I'm talking about, one of those incredible facts that, uh, that makes this town pretty special. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of people who say, yes, this is happening all over West Virginia. Um, there's, there's just, there's a, a lot of just shifting around of people and, and what was used, what was, uh, what was there for a while is not there anymore. And that's, that's crazy. But I, I want to talk a little bit more about things that are also pretty unique to this area. And I guess other places too. And that's one thing you got to tell me about. And this is hollers. Okay. You put out a video. You guys put out a video that really hooked me. Uh, it, you, you, it was, it was entitled. I think it was titled "A, a Trip Through a Lonesome Holler," and yeah. for us Yankees in the audience, again, can you explain the holler? What, what, what is it about this? So a holler is what everybody else in the country, I guess, calls a hollow, <laughs> but it's it's usually a uh, road that runs kind of through a valley kind of between two mountains and there's certain things that we've kind of latched onto like hey you see this in every hauler right like somebody always has chickens and uh somebody has a dog out in the road and different kind of things that we've kind of i guess put our own stereotypes on haulers but um it's um, it's just a second nature around here that a lot of people live up in haulers because it's such a mountainous area. Yeah, it's funny. There's like the mouth of the hauler and the head of the hauler, and there's all forks, and there's all kinds of lingo that goes with that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, you can usually tell pretty quick, too, if they're in a dangerous one or not. You know? yeah. So when you say dangerous, are you talking about dangerous from because of wildlife or people? People, in a way, because, you know, it's, if you're into some uh, nefarious activity, you probably want to be out as remote as you can get. So it's kind of naturally a draw for a person who wants to be away from society. So, okay, so then a, a holler is a, uh, obviously there's a geographical um, uh, definition there too because you're between two mountains, pretty much you're like in a valley. But it is a little bit hard to remote uh, encampment of people, like houses. So it's almost like an unofficial gated community. Something like that. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. They they know you're there. There's like a tree of people, and a lot of them too are families. Like you'll have a whole family that has a, a cousin and a brother, and you know there's all down the line that live up in the same holler. So yeah. they they kind of look out for each other, and you know. So if there's somebody strange or anything weird going on, you don't sneak up on anybody there. That's for sure. Yeah, um, most of them are a dead end. Uh -huh. So if you're if you're up there and you start up it, usually by the time you get to the end, the person that that lives at the end is going to know that you're there already because the phones have already been gone yeah, yeah. wow ahead of the holler but that's where you hope that they've got a good place to turn around yes. we've gotten a couple of those situations yes. really where the three-point turn is just like uh oh what, what you're just getting stared down like it's the hills have eyes or something oh, like yeah. that 
There's not many cul-de-sacs in the dollars. No. She so they're unofficial gated communities with their own militia and intelligence services. <laughs> they know every that's in, that, that's incredible. I, I hope I get some holler uh, phone calls in the second half. Um, you know, but uh, on that too, again, I went into the I went into the comments of that holler video, and the memories that you guys kick up for people is really incredible. Listen to this one. You guys had uh, apparently you had turned around in somebody's uh, around at somebody's grandmother's house uh, that they recognized on the uh, on on the the video. They said uh, hers is the the house, and they they say which one it is. I've sat on that porch and broke beans, watched the rain come across the mountains, listened to the birds, the creek, and watched the deer play in the field. It's such a special place to me. When we visited at Christmas years ago, you could smell the burning coal used to heat the homes as you turned up the road. That that smell still brings back good memories, and the head of that holler goes up, uh, goes up uh, a good ways. And her aunt lives there too, out past her grandmother's. I mean, that, it's that's just a. So there's a lot of people from the outside, like me, who are getting a taste of something they've they've never seen before. But there's also people who come from there that are are really enjoying what you guys are putting out, and that's awesome to watch too. Yeah, I think that's the thing that means the most is when you hear from people who've had to move for jobs or whatever, and they've moved away, and it's a completely different culture for them, and they, it brings back that type of memory because that just, I mean, when you were describing that, that just sounded like home to me. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful. Or maybe even an older person who never lived in the area, like you said, but maybe like their grandparents did, and uh, they were a kid when their grandparent passed away, and they haven't been in the area since. And so we have a lot of people that watch like that and just kind of for that nostalgia you know there's a couple of different types of people there's some that moved away like that and they have that uh, they went on what they call the hillbilly highway they moved to ohio or pennsylvania i mean uh, michigan for to work in the auto industry and they never came back and they never felt like they fit in where they moved to and you'll hear that from second third generation people that still don't feel like that that's they don't have that connection and they feel a real connection to appalachia uh, I, I could, there's something else here that, that is brought up for me when I, I'm, we're talking about this and that is, uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll throw on, I'll, uh, I'll throw on some John Denver and, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, when I put on, you go and you check out country roads and sometimes what people do is they will take songs like country roads and they will, um, uh, and, and they'll put it through filters. So it'll sound like country roads playing from an old radio on a back porch you can hear the bug zapper going and a little bit of crickets and all that and it'll try to create atmospheres around this and you'll see com the comments are incredible because from people who obviously are not from your your part of the country that are just like this makes me nostalgic for a place I've never been to but I feel I feel t totally connected to and yeah. that is uh it, it's very strange like reading that comment that was on your holler video I was like I I, I could I, I don't know what it would be like there to, to be there for 10 years but I can put myself in that position just based on what was written there and it is a uh, it's a real lived experience it feels real and uh, yeah. it's really awesome um let me ask you about this local cuisine are there any foods that you would consider culinary staples of the region? What would you say, if you're here, you've got to have this. It has to be prepared this way. That's your round. 
Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that some things kind of overlap with the South in Appalachia, or at least the part of Appalachia that we're in. But I would say sweet tea. If you if you go north, I'm like always shocked that you cannot find sweet tea at McDonald's. <laughs> but <laughs> we like it. The sweeter, the better, usually. Um, gravy and biscuits. That's always a good one. Chicken and dumplings. Um, I know I'm probably missing some. I'm a, I'm kind of a picky eater, so it's kind of hard. I'm more of a dessert guy. I love cobbler. And yeah. Oh. Great too. Fruit cobblers and that kind of Banana stuff. Banana pudding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that sounds great. I can go for a peach cobbler tonight. I really could. Yeah. That's great stuff. Oh That's yeah. A good one too. Well, if you if you think of any more along the way, you just let me know because I love talking about food. Um, in the meantime, how about local dialect? This is something that I was thinking about. Every region in this country has local slang, anything like that. I have watched I can't tell you how many videos over the years of people explaining uh, Appalachia English, they call it, or mountain talk. Can you give us some? Some slang, some phrases, anything that only a person from the area will know exactly what the other person is talking about. And everybody else will say, what? <laughs> Holler was a good one. That was one yeah. that a lot of times people questions because we just thought that was what it's called everywhere. You know, yeah. Used to it. It is. Um, a lot of the reckons and y'alls and all that stuff is yeah. the, the big stuff. We're really uh, notorious for sayings, descriptive sayings, like... Uh, you know, matter than a wet hand. You know, we always add something visual to what we're talking about. Or you can't get blood from a turnip. There's always these, look, that's the, the biggest kind of stuff. We usually say that, yeah. talk that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, okay, I know what this, this guy's from around here somewhere. Yeah, uh, fine as a frog hair or full as a tick. Yeah. <laughs> so we have we have all kinds of sayings. And I, it's like you said, like I just thought that it was, something that everybody said or whatever and i'm learning it's yeah <laughs> until you leave the area and you realize that uh, it's, yeah. it's just you're in another country at that point it really is <laughs> right. in Jupiter, yeah. yeah yeah or, or jupiter yeah you're just in another, another planet okay well <laughs> well I, I that's one of the things i want to set up later on too i'm going to have a mountain talk hotline so just people from anywhere if you're from Appalachia region I'd love to hear uh, anybody who has something that's been pat you know used in their family in their community but uh, I know that there are obscure languages and slang all over the country I want to hear about it tonight what about what about cryptids legendary creatures um, you guys have plenty of room out there for Bigfoot to run around and oh, also yeah. West Virginia is home to the the legendary Mothman uh ever any personal encounters or know someone who has stories like that hmm. i always say that i have a mothman story because yeah, yeah, yeah she does that's right <laughs> because uh me and some friends would go to this place it's like a man-made lake on top of a mountain and we would always go at night and the guys would kind of tease me that the mothman lived up there and so we were going up one night and uh this guy says the mothman i was kind of not wanting to i just kind of had an eerie feeling but this guy tells me the mothman's gonna get you or something like that and as soon as he says it something hit the side of the vehicle and it latched onto the tire and we were actually feeling like the thud thud the thud 
And so we got to a point that we could turn around. He actually got out and checked the car. There was nothing there. Um, so we were like, okay, let's just get out of here. I think that it spooked him pretty good too. So we were going back down and there was this pack of dogs in the road that was like waiting on us. I'm talking like six, seven, eight dogs. Wow. And they start like barking and howling. And then they like chased us off the road, like ran after the car. So I always say that's my Mothman story. <laughs> oh, you, you, so you thought that Mothman was involved in something, but you never actually saw him. I didn't actually see, but um, I think I just always said that because they always tease me it was Mothman that was living up there and then something weird happened after they mentioned Mothman, so. Well, have you guys, uh, I don't know what you have planned as far as future videos, but would you ever consider going to Point Pleasant uh, for like a Halloween video or something like that? Because I know a, a lot of people love, I'm gonna actually have one of the, um, one of the people from the Mothman Museum calling in, I think on August 30th, so uh, it, it's always going to be a hot spot. It's always going to be one of the, the, the bigger things that, especially those who dabble in the spooky, uh, West Virginia is always going to have a very special place in people's hearts because I'm Mothman. Mm -hmm. We actually have been to Point Pleasant, um, and we went to the TNT area where the Mothman was said to live. That was the most Mothman sightings. Oh. So we actually did a Point Pleasant history video and a Mothman Museum video and a TNT area. Oh, you do? Yeah. I, I've never seen it. I'm going to have to go dig these up then. Yes, you'll have to go watch. Wow. And the Low Hotel. And the Low yeah, Hotel. So we, we get yeah. a bunch of the spooky stuff out there because we're both into that. She's she really, yeah. there's something about her that just draws that kind of stuff to her, too. I can believe that if the Mothman's going to visit anybody, it's going to be Melody. I don't know why. <laughs> people leave me alone. But if she's around, they just keep, they can't help yeah. coming out. She's but we did have a weird experience there also. This is the only time that we've had this issue. We did all this footage and it was over a couple of days. And when we got back, it was all like shaky. It was really weird. Yeah, it was just almost unfixable. It took me almost a year to get one of them finished because I had to go back and piece this stuff together. And I don't know, never happened before or after. It, just, it was just very odd. Yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you about that. Just, you know, aside from, aside from, you know, cryptids and Mothman, um, I guess a ghost town in itself is a very odd thing. Like you said, it leaves you with almost like an empty feeling. But what about, is there any other any other kind of oddities and, and things that, that stick out to you that you've you've discovered along the way that um, that really, that really, if you're going to go to to one from reference, that's where you go. What's like the oddest thing that you've you found? Well, we ran into, when we were in Valley Cruces, North Carolina, we ran into what they call the Brown Mountain Lights. And that's some kind of phenomenon that's gone on for a long time. And I wasn't all that familiar with it um, until we went down there. And it was just like the oddest light array in the mountains that you could ever experience. And just we had it on film, too. It's very strange. Wait, what do you mean? Nobody like it's from, it. from like a point inside of the mountain ridge itself, there was there's just lights? It's, it's a reflection? What is it? That's what we can't figure out. Nobody yeah. seems to know. Everybody's got an exp explanation, like some kind of a gas or whatever. But And to us, it looked like people were carrying lanterns through the mountains or something. Wow. It was just the weirdest thing. And it would, there would be some lights that would just stop in the middle. And so we went back during the day, the next day, and there were no houses around, no, like, 
camping areas, nothing. There was just it was just mountainside. Yeah, it was the strangest thing, and probably more than what a dozen or two dozen lights like that out yeah, there. Yeah, not two dozen, I would say. Yeah. And you said that this is this is North Carolina, this is the Brown Mountain. Brown Mountain Lights, yeah. There was when we got back, we got even more interested because we experienced it. It was like, well, what? I've heard of this, but I don't, you know, all that familiar with it beforehand. But we were actually in Valley Cruces, which is around the Boone, North Carolina area, Blowing Rock, and um, that isn't even really that close to Brown Mountain. Yeah. But uh, they they've kind of said that that phenomenon. Um, goes on throughout Western North Carolina, mm. so we uh, we had no other explanation for what we saw other than that. Well, we I know I have quite a few people who watch this show who are from North Carolina, so I, I maybe I uh, maybe I'll get some kind of clarifying or any any kind of input after this uh, this call. That would be great too. Now that's another thing I'm interested in figuring out: the Brown Mountain Lights. Um, mm-hmm. I guess one other thing, it's, it, it's something you've probably heard before, too, I'd like to talk about. The, the region is stereotypical. For, for those of you who don't live there, we know either absolute breathtaking beauty of the land or we know just from the news abject poverty. We hear about that. We hear about poverty. We hear about uh, we hear about a lot of a lot of issues. people who are living off the grid. We don't know if that is just a, a choice or because they have no other, they um, you know they just have no other means. We also hear a lot about inbreeding from mountain people, and um, and I want to know is this a regional stereotype? I know obviously it's hard to avoid, especially because it's so taboo and it's attention grabbing. But how prevalent is it really? So we actually did a video on that too, and um, in and like in it, we kind of talk about that. That yeah, it happens. Yeah, it did happen probably more, but no more so really than any other part of the country, or at least not on the level that a lot of people make it out to be. I saw studies um, on that. I saw studies on that that actually said that, you know, uh, uh, like I said, it's headlines, it's grabby. But um, there was a study that showed that this kind of activity is really not more prevalent there than anywhere else. So I just didn't know what your personal experience was. And obviously, as West Virginians, you're, you're in a position where you're going to have to fend off those stereotypes most of the time. Right. Yeah, it's actually rare and frowned upon here. It's not like it's an accepted thing or common. It is, a, you know, we both have heard of families being that way, but mm-hmm. it was somebody, unfortunately, probably not a, the right thing to do. They're somewhat ostracized. They're, yeah. And also, in some instances, came with a little bit of mental illness and so forth, too. So, yeah. You know what it is? I, I think it's, um, I think people come to logical conclusions about that, no matter where it is in the country or the world, when you talk about the remoteness. If people are, if you have, for example, one of these hollers that you're talking about, if that, how does a, how does a, a small little community like that stay alive for how, you know, even three or four generations without there being some crossing of the lines and, and, you know, some, some branches of the family tree getting a little bit too close for comfort. How do you, I think that's where a lot of people just uh, follow the logic and saying, oh, this must just be the way that it is because how else are these are these communities uh, staying alive and i think that that probably was the case in a lot of the instances that it happened but um i don't think that people realize just how 
uh, much of a melting pot that this area was. We had people coming in from all different countries to work in the coal mines and have a different or a better life. A lot of people met at church and that kind of stuff too. You know, they they traveled, uh, so it wasn't. Yeah. You know, it's not nearly as contained as it may sound. Like maybe a holler is, but you know, right down the road, there's no holler. The whole different family, and then there's you know, there's it's not nearly as uh, you know limited as it may yeah. sound. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, uh, e- either way, I think you guys are. You're, I know you're not the only ones doing this kind of thing, but it's such necessary, entertaining, and and it, it feel good. Uh, work and I'm glad that you guys have are the the face of real Appalachia and I, I hope that a lot of people go and follow you on YouTube I really do thank you, yeah, thank you too. So much, yeah. <laughs> and if I'm ever down there if we're ever driving through because I want to start seeing a lot more of the country and I want to do it by car um, yeah. we've we've got to link up that that would be great I want some of your yeah. sweet tea now I, I usually have yeah. tea unsweetened um, but yeah. but I'll if it's homemade I'll take it yeah, that's right down there with Appalachia. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm all, down with some sweet tea. That oh, I'm I'm down with that. Uh, anything else you guys want to plug? Anything you have? Any uh, a video that you have coming out soon before before we leave? How can uh, I have your YouTube up on the screen right now? I have it linked in the description of the episode, so people are going to know how to find you. But if there's anything else you want to plug before you leave, please go right ahead. Well, we have a book coming out in October, October 23rd, and it is uh, Legends and Lore of Southwest Virginia. Oh, uh, that's really excited about that. And it talks a little bit more about the cryptids and so forth, local mm-hmm. legendary type of stuff for Southwest Virginia. Yeah, and he already had a book, Legends and Lore of East Tennessee. Yeah. So now we're kind of getting into our home area. So so. If we live long enough, we'll hit all the Appalachian states. <laughs> oh. yeah. Well, listen, uh, if that's the case, I have to go and get it. And I love. I mean, in 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 uh, October, it's it's over. It's spooky overdrive over here. I love legends and lore, especially when it's local lore. So, um, may, hey, maybe we have you back for a, a quick little follow up and uh, around the time that the book is released. Hey. All right, guys, have yourself a wonderful evening. Thank you for spending some time with us. Oh, thank, thank you so, so much. much. All right, take care. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. There they are, Shane and Melody. How was that? That was great. As great as I knew it was going to be. So what we're going to have for, I'm going to go on a quick break right now. The rest of the night is going to be open lines. I want to hear what everybody's thinking. Um, uh, I'm going to have a Mountain Talk hotline. Here is the Mountain Talk hotline. It's 914-369-1236. I want to hear slang. I want to hear all types of things that would make uh, any outsider uh, do a double take and really but not understand what you're saying. That would be great. With the full accent and everything. Don't dampen the accent. Uh, and I don't know. It's... I'm, 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 I'm leaving it in your hands now. So when we get back from intermission, we're going to take some calls. The regular general call line, of course, is 914-200-0269. Write it on down, and we will be back in a flash. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah. Mission. 
some super chats i'm going to go to your calls 914-200-0269 or the mountain talk hotline 914-369-1236 914-369-1236 but i'll just leave the general up and we'll see what comes through uh first thing that came through is um is a happy birthday Let's see here. Frank, a year ago I asked you to wish my friend LP a happy birthday on August 17th. I hope you can do the same this year. For LP, long-time listener, this is from Penny Lane. So happy birthday, LP. It's good to have you on. Let's take a call. 618, you're on the air. Who this? 618. 618. This is Bill. Okay, Bill. Go right ahead. Bill, are you hearing uh, me? Oh, this is I'm talking to Frank. Yes. T- uh, am I on speakerphone? Uh, yes, uh, you, I do have you on speakerphone. Okay, let's get that off, and we'll we'll be right. Okay. We'll go right ahead. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Western North Carolina. Uh, that sounds even worse. That sounds that sounds a lot worse, Bill. It's worse. Yeah, that sounds. That sounds. T- yeah, it sounds pretty bad. Okay, how's this? Uh, okay, well, that's, I, I guess it's good enough. Just project your voice and go right ahead. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Western North Carolina, and uh, I'm originally from Chicago. I got a job down here 12 years ago, and uh, one of the first things I did was I went up on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Uh-huh. And uh, I swear to God, I saw uh, Bigfoot up there. You saw a Bigfoot on the parkway, just like along the side where the rest of us see deer on, or something like that? Well, um, I had stopped at an overlook. It was early in the morning. And uh, I got back in the car, and I turned back onto the parkway. 
and he crossed right behind me. I saw him in the rearview mirror. Oh. So at least, uh, and, uh, yeah. I was just like, you know, I, I was thinking he could have had me for breakfast. Oh, he could have if he had if he had uh, jumped in front of the car instead. But he had the wherewithal to let you pass first. So he he looked both ways. He's not like that damn those damn deer out there. They'll just jump right in front of your car yeah, and, well, and that's it. I, I was in the overlook look and I was outside of the car. Oh, so that that's what worried me. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're still with us, my friend. Thank you so much for the call. Bill from North Carolina. It's been great to have you on. Yeah, Asheville area. Huh? I'm from the Asheville area. Oh, Asheville. Okay. Well, you know, I know there's a lot of people that watch the show that are from that area, so maybe we have a couple more coming in. Here's another one. 916, you're on the air. Go ahead. Huh? Oh, my gosh. Hi, Frank. Hey, who's this? This is Halston. Hey, it's great to have you on. Oh my gosh, I never watched live, so this is my first time watching live, and I'm so stoked to be on. Do I sound like a robot to you? A lot of people say that when they get on the phone, they just don't know it's me because I sound like a robot on the phone. <laughs> no, no, oh. not at all. Okay, great. Go ahead. So what's on your mind? Um, well, I love the show, and I actually originally am from California, and I moved to a small town in Texas. And I just thought it was an awesome episode because it had me thinking about how um, the differences I noticed. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, moving to a small town, um, I noticed that there's a lot of more community around here. Um, I came from a much bigger city in California. And locally, there wasn't a lot of events or get-togethers, so I just thought that was something cool that you made me think of that you know i'm i'm happy that you are uh that you got through and i'm happy that you brought this up because that is a topic in itself that could fill up an entire show which is if you came from a place like california or if you came from an urban area i mean every state has a pretty uh, you know everything every every state has some sort of an urbanized kind of an area there but if you go from a place that is hustle bustle and uh in california's case pretty politically progressive and all that and you you go to a place that is a little bit more quiet a little bit more intimate like that it is a uh it, it, there's got to be some kind of an adjustment there maybe even culture shock how long did it take you to really to really set your roots down over there or are you still adjusting <laughs> definitely still adjusting um when we first moved out here we actually moved to austin the big city so that was adjustment because i've never actually lived in the city and then so we've just moved to a small town now and still getting adjusted i will say though the difference from california and texas at least in the small area, is that people weren't impacted by all the COVID restrictions. So not a lot of people, I feel like, have that re realization of how much freedom they have here. Because coming from California and having people hovering so intensely, like I got approached in the store to put my mask on. I mean, I was very uncomfortable. And here it's like people just, like, they kind of miss some of that... Um, how much freedom we do have being in a smaller area having more of an impact i feel like on the government um but like you don't see anyone wearing masks here while california there still are and i don't know it's just the fourth of july events here too the small community it's just like we go big for fourth of july whereas like 
California. I mean, it, there's some good stuff, but not nearly as big here. So, like, the pride for America is there, but they just, like, don't realize how much freedom they have gotten. Wow. That's a, uh, that, that, see, that's perspective that you in your position can only have as somebody who has been recently transplanted. And so, so your decision to get out was, was purely, you, you wanted to get away from the, the, the kind of social constriction and, and, and where the, the state was going in particular? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And uh, we just had our first son, and we didn't want to have children in California with the laws that are being passed with children. And so being here, it's been absolutely wonderful that no one is, like, hovering over us, telling us what to do with our child. We're left alone. <laughs> and that's, like, one of the biggest reasons besides, you know, the impact of COVID, our economy just being terrible, the cost of living. I mean, we are doing so much better here, but even like native Texans are like, this is really rough. Like right. this is bad for what they've seen. So it's just the duality of seeing both is so well, then fascinating. Maybe, maybe you, and it's like, maybe you now are, are the, are, are, are the kick in the ass that perhaps some of your, your new neighbors really needed to say, Hey, listen, uh, if you think things are bad right now, you have no clue what I just came from. We need to, <laughs> we need to really uh, put the sandbags in right now and get ready, hunker down, because uh, <laughs> it can get mo- so much worse, and you have to prevent it from being <laughs> yeah. so. Well, thank you for the call, and uh, I hope uh, I wish you the best, and I hope I hear from you again. Yeah, God bless Frank, and you are our favorite show. You do such an amazing job, and we turn so many people towards watching you because you're like the gateway to open people's minds, but just enough of all the fun topics to where people don't get overwhelmed. So thank you for what you do, and you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that. that you have no clue how much of a, um, a boost of morale that is because some nights I know that we're doing the right thing by by getting all these topics into the mix i know we're doing the right thing for the future but um some nights i'm just like maybe we should just do some headlines and i'll I'll put this off to next week like no no what 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 you want to go check drudge report and see what's waiting for you over there (laughs) no thanks man we'll do a little bit more uh we have plenty of time lots of that going on and uh, it's always going to be there so this is great thank you uh, Ray, Ray, what's going on, Ray? Hello? Hey, Ray, what's going on? Yo, hey, how you doing? Oh, oh it's good to have you on. like that. <laughs> cool, it's Frank? No, it's not Frank. Yeah, it's I, 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 it's the robot voice, right? Yeah, it sounds like a robot voice, really See, does. She was lying to me. Go, Okay, go ahead, Ray. It's all you. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, how you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was kind of talking to you about, um, I heard you speaking earlier about the migrant uh, thing over here in New York. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy here. I write, I work right here at Grand Central, and um, I'm right across the street from um, the hotel. Oh, so, okay, so then... So then, uh, oh. uh, tell me about, tell me about the, start with by telling me about the motorbikes. Oh, my God. Listen, I, I even got a video of it. I could send it to you. They are lined up all along the street in front of the hotel. It's nuts. I would say at least twenty to thirty motorbikes sitting right there. But Unbelievable. Are, are these the are these like the because I know that there's the the city bikes that you can you know you can take right. out and you can dock them all over the place and whatever. These right. are not them. It's just something different. They are no, actual motor totally scooters. Different. 
Yeah, totally different. These are from a different company. These are like all the same brand, but like a, a privately owned company. I'm guessing they're the ones that just ride in the street for no. Like they don't. They don't even need. These don't even need any um any electricity or anything like that. Those are more like for the uh, for not 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 for people who ride in um uh, people who ride in the street as far as regular uh train you know workers employees. These are for them specifically for them. But don't you know? I thought I mean if I feel like if I had one of those those moto those these bikes over here in yeah. Westchester, I would need to have a license to to ride these in the street. How are Agreed. how is it in New York City? Um, foreign yeah. na- foreign nationals who have been here for mere weeks are given mm-hmm. motorized vehicles to just go and 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 be in the street. How, how is this possible? I don't know, Frank. I agree with you a thousand percent. And like, I took a small video of it, and they're like, they're all these are like men, like uh, like at least twenty year old men with their hats backwards and deal like they're dealing cards on on top of a on top of trucks that's there. And um, they're playing games with each other, like they just like standing around, like 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 I would say card games, or like and like no kids running around. I see no children. I see young women with them, and I see them just walking around back and forth, and they're hanging out all types of night. It's not even, it's 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 ridiculous, man. It's getting really bad here. And on top of that, with them riding around back and forth, us as drivers, we got to worry about them hitting us, or we hitting them. We open the door. Hmm. It's nuts. I know. It's and, so bad. Right? Yeah. So and, bad. and then what are you gonna do if they hit you? You gonna you gonna sue them? <laughs> they don't have insurance, exactly. Jeez, man. Well, listen. Thanks for the call. Keep me up to date. And if, you, and if there's ever the man, well, I appreciate that. For real, Frank. You know what, Ray? <laughs> one of those nights. One. Of, if we ever go and play a gig in uh, in in the city somewhere, me and the band, you gotta be. Uh, you gotta put the call out to everybody and say, Hey, listen, we gotta Absolutely. go to this. We gotta pack a venue. We gotta do it. Whatever you whatever you want, Frankie. I got you, brother. I was there at the Metallica and um, Pantera event. I didn't get to. I didn't know your personal number to call you. Meet up with you. I would love to have did that, but yeah, I was there too, man. It was great. Should have emailed. You should have emailed. And next time, I got you, man. Say no more. <laughs> next time, next next time you call in with something important, and you, and if you don't get through, make sure you email then mm-hmm. too. Thanks for the call, man. You got it, Frank. Take uh, care, my brother. Later. There you go. All right. Let's go. Uh, let's take a call. Let's take a call. Eight eight zero four on the Mountain Talk Hotline. What's going on? Eight zero four. Who's this? Hey, Frank, this is Dave, man. You still want to hear a funny hillbilly story? Oh, please. Oh, yeah, that and, and, and give me some uh, give me some some dialects, some some uh, sayings, some some words that we won't know up here in New York. Give me something like that, too. I'll try to dig something up as good as I can remember. Now, you know hillbilly is a political term. It's a political name. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. It came from uh, the folks up in the mountains, the Scots Irish that settled up there, used to drink toast to King Billy. William of Orange. And that's why if you if you drive up and down the interstate up I eighty one, almost every college up and down that interstate's got orange in its colors. Its team's colors. House of Orange is everywhere. Why why are you whispering? why are you whispering? I ain't just sorry, I was just trying to put on my uh, my voice. It's a good it's it's I was good. just doing my voice, man. It, it's not, my, no, it's good. I, I didn't know I didn't know if you were like in a closet or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I'm just doing my it's kind of gravelly, you know. When I when I channel that voice, go back home, I get uh, it gets a little bit low like that. But yeah, I was going to tell you about the story about my family, um, and I can. This is my actual voice right here. 
<laughs> well, well, you lay it on thick. So I, I go ahead. Give me, a, give me a story, real quick, because so I, I want to get to more. Original. I, I tell people I come from the original nuclear family, and uh, when my papa was nine years old. He was now we, he came from Farner, Tennessee, which is up in the Smoky Mountains. And he was late coming home for dinner, and he knew he was going to get a whooping. And so instead of coming home from, from dinner, uh, for dinner, he just ran away. He just ran away, and he joined the circus. What? And uh, didn't come back home until he was 13 years old. He came back through that area and wound up on, his, on the porch of his parents' home um, like a lot of mendicant kids would in, in those days, begging for food. And his own mother didn't recognize him at first when he came to the door. But he he came, of course, he, he was home, so he was brought back back in, uh, finished, finished growing up, got married, um, became a coal miner, had six kids. All six kids and his wife died of tuberculosis and other ailments. Oh. He, he, he eloped with the English Cherokee girl who had combed his wife's hair at their wedding with her daddy chasing them with a shotgun and they they split and moved up into west virginia and he continued mining coal and mining zinc and then worked on the railroad for a while and then he he went to work and he heard that they were hiring at the new secret city in oak ridge he went down there and he lied to the man and told him he was a machinist and they hired him on as a machinist at Y-12 down there at the plant. Now, you get this. I got that story from an old man. I was with my wife uh, 20 years ago, and we were at the spillway of the dam at this place called Dale Hollow Lake uh, in northern middle Tennessee. And we were, we were up there. We were going to do some trout fishing. And there was nobody there, no one as far as the eye could see. And this little old-timer comes riding on his bike from across the parking lot. He's just kind of serpentining slowly over to us, and he gets over to us. And, how are you doing today? Well, all right. How are you doing? All right. And we get to talking. And where are you from? And um, he, he, you know, whose kin are you and all that? And he, he just got this look on his face, and he said, by God, I know your papa. I, I own the house right behind him. We shared that hillside garden. And I was there the day he came on to work down at Y-12. And he come back and sat right next to me and said, Buddy, show me what you're doing real quick. I don't know what I'm doing. I lied. Said said I was a machinist. <laughs> wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so a... it's... Sorry, go ahead. I, I'm, I, I'm sure that there's just countless stories like that. And uh, and these all these these uh, these lives of people that sometimes would just be uh, you just w- would think that they were made up for for the sake of telling a story, but they, it's all real. It sounds uh, that sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right out of right out of a movie, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's like right out of Big Fish. Reads like a, a medical encyclopedia too. Well, when you because think about my, that, my grandmother washed radiation suits. She was she was che- obviously Cherokee. And the only jobs available for them was washing the radiation suits. Her gear was a pair of rubber rubber made gloves. 
Well, I guess um, I guess that's that's all the. And when you think about that, <laughs> and Rubbermaid gloves and radiation. You think about what we've uh, what what we had to wear to take to uh, to protect ourselves from the deadliest virus in history. You were like, wow. Anyway, thanks for the call. This was really great, and uh, I'm glad you kicked off the the Mountain Talk Hotline with that. Hey, and I just I just sent you a book that's set in Appalachia. It's a comedy. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I will. Thank you. Yeah, it's called Hokey Pokey, and um, so I hope maybe if your readers are, are up for a laugh, they'll enjoy it, too. It's available on Amazon. All right. Well, I appreciate you. you taking my call. I'll man. see you later, man. Thanks very much. So nice to hear from him. Hen, hello. Henry? Hey, no, this is Richard. Henry was my father. R- Richard, it's great to have you on. Thank you. I'm still taking a chance with with uh, Zoom giving me the right name for people, but they keep failing me. Go ahead. No, hey, but nonetheless, I just want to say that, you know, now they're saying Trump is a flight risk. <laughs> and it's like, okay, how was that? Have, have you never seen, like, Jeff Durham's show where Trump is, like, the master of outfits and playing Geraldo and all these other characters? And, and if you've never seen that, look it up. I mean, it is absolutely they. They got you know. Why? What, what is? Uh, what is? Um, what's Georgia saying Jeff, now? Jeff, Dur- Jeff Durham. It's where they're they're having, uh, you know, him and I forget what the other guy's name is. The drunk dude. That's like I'm from no. Beer Daily, and no. it's like I didn't I know that it. was a I, I get a news corporation. He's like, no, I drink Beer Daily. I no, I get what you're saying there. I'm saying, I'm saying, what is uh, with the whole flight risk thing? Are, are is it, is somebody saying that he should be kept in jail? That there should be no bail? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I did see that. I was looking for your show. I ended up, you know, things were going good for me. I'm kind of celebrating, but I did end up catching the end. You know, the, the end of your show. You know, where we're at, and it's like I I happen to uh, to come by this where I I don't know if it's CNN or whatever, but they're saying Donald Trump's a flight risk and. You know, we need the uh, so th- this is absolutely 100 percent, you know, percent legit. And it's like I saw this, okay. and it it just hit me of the the Jeff Durham show where he's got Trump and you know, and I think okay. it's Bubba or something well, like that. I, I, well, I, but I haven't. It's, it's the okay. two of them in the room that right. they keep on exchanging outfits, and it's like, yeah, Trump is the master of. Yeah, Trump ain't going nowhere with nobody You're right. knowing where he's You're at. right. He's, he's not he's not going anywhere and I think this is all just well thank you for the call, my friend. It, it's just one of those things it's one of those things where you're uh if you're if you're tuned into this one hundred percent of the time, that's gonna be every day. Hey, is he's, he's a flight risk? You, now you talk about that, they're gonna try to keep him in jail. There's their bail, is their bonds, there's this and that. These are all the little lily pads that people are going to be jumping to in between the big events which are uh you know arraignments and court dates and everything else that is going to be leaked remember there's plenty of things to be leaked still leak season is coming they have to ruin the holidays you know come on once we get past October, they've got to ruin the holidays for everybody. They got to shit all over Thanksgiving and Christmas. So, don't worry, don't worry. It's uh, <laughs> it's just sit back, relax. Let's see here. Three one four. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Frank. How are Patrick. you, Patrick? Thanks for taking my call, buddy. Go ahead. I got an Appalachian story for you. Good. 
All right. You got a minute? Uh, exactly a minute, yes, I, and I do. Okay, I'll, I'll try and get this out. Uh, coming down from Michigan, we had a, a construction crew. Uh, just a lot of hometown, hometown friends, probably about four or five extra. Come down, uh, West Virginia, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, and uh, Smoky Mountain area, right? It was like a working vacation. I met the most beautiful, happiest people I've ever met in my life. Anyway, blown off some steam. We went to a bar one night and uh, boom, 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 boom. Just gunshots, right? This is like 30 years ago. I don't know if it's going on, but now, but, and, and we're, everyone's ducking under the tables. Running to the exits, and I'm courting this girl all, all night. I'm talking, let's get out of here. So we leave, right? Okay, so we leave. I go back to her house, bop, 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 right? And then I go uh, back to the motel. She rings me in the morning, and I wake uh, Barry up. This other guy's like two bedroom room there. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I don't know. I'm starving. Let's go. It was cheap motel. Patrick, I, I, I'm trying. I'm, needs, oh, right? hold on, Patrick. I, I'm. I'm. You, you're gonna have to really just get to a point because I don't. I don't understand what's going on. Well, we met Jimmy Carter. You the met very Jim- next night. Okay, so you're coming yeah, down. You're coming down through Michigan. Motel, and it was post. He was already an ex-president, but I saw a bunch of limousines there. I didn't care. We're, we're having a breakfast, and I started teasing this guy, making Barry laugh. Was he the one that was fired Jimmy Carter? Was it? Was, yeah, he was, come down. But he was the one that fired the gun. Hey. He was the one that fired the gun. No, no, it was the next night. I I went home with that with that girl, and then she brought me back to the motel. Okay, and so I woke Barry up. And I said, "Man, I gotta get something to eat." And he comes to the restaurants like real early. And there's like four limousines there, and we're, we're looking at what the hell is that shit about? So what? So what did you and say then, to Jim, uh, okay, Jimmy? Okay, Patrick. There. Patrick. So so let, what did you say to Jimmy? Did you did you get to ask him a question or say I something? Teased him. I I thought it was a man that looked like him, and I was making Barry laugh. I'm like, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter, like this. And then he walked right by our table. He he put up his hand, and he said, "Hey," and I'm like, "Oh my God, is that him?" He's all, I think it is. I said, I don't care. I'm going to sleep. So I went back to sleep. The rest, Barry woke the rest of the crew up, brought him into the restaurant, said, Jimmy Carter's in there. They all got autographs. They got pictures taken with them. And I slept through the whole damn thing. Well, that's uh, That's my appellation story. I don't know. That could have been 45 seconds. (laughs) I swear to God. But Uh, so you got okay. Well, well, Patrick, you you came down. You came down with your uh, with your crew, a very nice group of people, and you came down from Michigan, and you uh, you you ended up in a place where you crossed paths with ex President Jimmy Carter. You didn't think it was him. You teased him a little bit, and the next day, when everybody actually, oh wow, this is really Jimmy Carter. You slept through the entire autograph process you devil you thank you for the call there you have it there you have it i was wondering i was like okay gunshots what the hell's going on here and then it's like two days later and jimmy carter my it's like what was jimmy carter the shooter what the hell's happening ladies and gentlemen okay let's go into the 828 we are on the mountain talk hotline give us a mountain talk 
Oh, how do you do, Frank? It's nice to talk to you, man. How are you? Who's this? Um, uh, my name is Moth Monster Man. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> we were talking, are you, they were talking about um, the Brown Mountain Lights, right? Yes, have you seen these? And there's a channel. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. But let's start with, there's a channel, a guy named Wendigoon. Yes. An hour-long video. Oh, yeah. The history of them, the research of them, going back to 1800 eyewitness accounts, it's it's very worth watching. I, Me and my brother-in-law had, yeah. No, I, I was going to say, I, I, know, I know the Wendigoon account. It's very popular. He does a lot of... Uh, mysteries and and uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like that um so um but you as a personal witness what what do you what do you yeah. what do you say about the blue uh, the brown mountain lights what are they do you think or do you know i i couldn't tell you um me and my brother-in-law have a fascination with them and we took the trip from morganton up 181 multiple times just to see him. Okay, but and, is this um, something... Probably the, the third or fourth time we went up, got to the old pass, sitting there watching, and we're just chilling, wasting time. It probably took an hour. We're smoking, listening to music. I hear him say, oh, my God, look. I look up, and there's this It's greenish color orb on the ridge of the mountain on the right. And it gently floats across the valley to the other mountaintop. Then it moves down, slightly down the ridge of the other mountain, then just zooms straight up. And I couldn't even tell you. Whenever we saw it, the car parked next to us just cranked up and sped away. Like, they, they must have been spooked. So what do you what do you think? Is it is it almost like a... Do you think it's a... I don't know. Somebody in the chat room just it, said it. It couldn't have been natural. It did not look natural. So it couldn't have been somebody. There, it looked like uh, if Mel someone had. Well, hold on, hold on. Melody, Melody had said that it almost looked as if people were carrying lanterns across a path somewhere. But you're saying that that the, that these say, lights, yeah. But these lights are they are above they are above the the landscape. They are actually existing above the yeah, trees. Yeah, they are. They're floating above. Okay. Oh, and yeah. it's and it's more like an aurora borealis. Yeah. It's like green and gassy, almost misty. It, it's just a little green orb. I don't know how else to describe. Like if you're sitting out, it's probably a half a mile out in the distance. Gotcha. And oh. the area in which it would be is probably a quarter mile. So you can't really tell what it is. Well, let's but see. But it is a light. Well, I thank you. And it it moves like it has intelligence. Moth Monster Man, thank you so much for the call. Let's. Uh, I, if anybody out there knows a little something in particular about the Brown Mountain Lights, now we have two people. We have Melody, the guest tonight, and um, our last caller, who uh, I think his name was Moth Monster Man. Was that him? There's something going on there, but maybe some of you out there actually have confirmation of what it is so we'll wait all right let's go take a really quick break when we come back we're coming down the home stretch fun night tonight i'm really enjoying it 
watches the podcast called, quite frankly, hits more home runs than a New York Yankee. It'll make you grin unlike a bank fee, just as cozy as a nighttime blankie. Number one, not two, like Mr. Hanky. It can get spooky like spies at Langley. And if you go and watch, you just might thank me. Astrobugulus is defined as something bizarre, unusual, slightly risque or indecent, yet humorous. About three years ago, yours truly, that's me, Don Hewley, couldn't catch a wink. On the advice of our very own Douglas, I popped a couple of his sleep-enhancing gummy bears. Far from a peaceful slumber, I found myself sprinting as naked as the day I was born through a sweltering Palm Springs midnight. An Ostrobogulus turn of events, if ever there was one. Oh, there you have it. That's Ostrobogulus. How would you describe the most Ostrobogulus moment of your life? Douglas? Ostrobogulus? I'm Don Hewley, and that's The Daily Word. You're listening to Quite Frankly. Where do you think the contact with the aliens came from? Where, when did that start? You know, I, uh, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, I need I to hear about know. aliens. I know you already know all this, show. Hold on a second. It's always, but I want to ask you this because I don't know. Oh, yeah, right. We're in contact with aliens. Like what kind of shit? Here's what's happening because it's not just one group of aliens. What's the different groups? The what big five. Okay, tell me okay. what's going on. Let me begin. This is really, I'm telling you, Joe, this is a real deal. We're listening to you. Well, first off, elves is the main group. Okay. And they call them the elves. It's the clockwork elves. I don't think you're allowed to say that anymore. There are bad things that look like elves that have horns when they show you who they really are. Damn. They're bad aliens. I'm with you. AI is alien. Like a, like a robot? Yeah. They're like robots coming to kill you. Jesus Christ. The chimeras are alien. And there's a hive, hive mind sort of thinking to a lot of this. They want the organs. I swear on my kids I told you the truth about that. I believe you. I believe you. They're coming after everybody. Jeez. It's a breakaway civilization, dude. We don't know what they got. Joe, they're control freaks. Well, they're everybody's control. a That's control why I'm so freak. glad you're in the fight now. These guys are on stuff that, like, nobody even knows. What do you think they're on? Stuff they've been given. Okay. I understand what you're saying. You know, there's, like, armed guys with machine guns. That is a group of people that were obsessed with combat. About the most fearless killers there are. Do you think that's from their heritage of war? I mean, it's just like, it's mental illness, man. Yeah. That's a fact. Let's see if I can. Let me see if I can go over. I see a couple people who are hanging out inside of the 
Gilded. So everybody in Gilded, unmute, and I will get to you in just a second. Let's go... Where the hell is all the... Where's all the smelt? You can call in with small town lore, ghost towns that you've explored, did you knows. Thing, more did you knows are great. Like things that happened in your your town that is uh, of pretty, you know, historical significance that you'd be like, oh, really? Really? 828, you are on the air from the Mountain Talk line. Do you have any Mountain Talk for us? Yes, sir, Frank. This is Bob Schmidt calling from Silva, North Carolina. Wow. Out of the Smoky Mountains. Bob, it's great to hear your voice finally. So what do you, what do you got for us tonight? Is it, uh, is it some sayings? Is it some words? Anything that's passed down from family? I want to hear some real regional dialect. I don't know if I got too much of that since I'm a Florida transplant from about 17 years back, but I'm surrounded by hillbillies. But no, man, this place around here is is, is just steeped in weirdness. We got Pisgah Mountain, which isn't too far away. There's a the Pis, Pisgah Astronomical Research Institute on there. They're supposed to be launching UFOs from there. Really? Um, we got Smoky Mountain National Park where they... Uh, there's supposedly in a deep underground military base at the bottom of it. And uh, over the next town over, we got a Coweta Water Laboratory, which is a bio lab in disguise that goes down about a mile. Really? Plus, on the, mount, on the mountain that I live on, we got Cherokee little people. Look into that. They're, they're all over this place. My wife has, has seen them. I haven't. I I got Parkinson's, so I stay inside most of the time. But yeah, man, this place is steeped in weirdness. When you but say it's all good, when you say Cherokee little people, what what do you mean by that? They're supposedly like little elf, elfish type people. But um, according to folklore, pretty close to us is Western Carolina University. It's over about a mile away from where I live. And when they were doing some building of it, they ran into some caves and stuff of them that that they were um they had to bring in archaeological research people to they halted the construction and yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Nobody talks about it. You know, I it reminds me of little stories that we haven't done on this show yet that that that, that have gotten around if you are really into these kinds of these uh, these tales. And that was it, this was in Kentucky. I've I've read many times about the uh, a night where goblins um, invaded this small Kentucky town. It was like in 1955 or something. Uh, it's like it, they called the the night of the Kentucky goblins. That's the that's the the article I've been sitting on for a while. I was thinking about doing it on a Saturday or something like that. But man, I, I hear about so many things like this. And the more remote the area is that they try to make you think like nothing happens there, the more I think that they have the most important things hidden. Well, there's some weird shit goes on on the mountain that I live on. The, the neighbor that lives up above me a little bit, he sees um, these weird things going on. Supposedly in the valley next over, there was a big massacre that the Cherokees had when they were fighting against another Indian tribe. And they, they did some sacrificing. This is according to folklore, but um, 
Yeah, there, there's some. There's supposedly a, a portal, a stargate up there on the mountain that I live on. There's some weird shit going on around here. I'm telling you, this place is lit up. Well, uh, well, Bob, I'm glad you got through. Uh, you've you've emailed the show for a long time. I'm glad to finally hear your voice, and you're a good man. Thank you for watching. Yes, sir. Love you, my son. Bye. Uh, take care. There you go. I've got another father. Another father out there. There's so many. Let's see here. Over on, over on quite frankly, superchat.com, Jay Britt says, my parents were from that area of West Virginia, Virginia. Um, sayings like grinning like a cat, eating poop out of a hairbrush. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That can't be real. That sounds like something I would say if I was trying to be Southern and wanted to be an idiot. Or that's all, that sounds like something Michael Scott from The Office would say. You're knee-high on a grasshopper or something. I, I don't know. Shaking like a pod, uh, shaking like a possum shitting persimmon seeds. What? Wait, maybe that, <laughs> maybe that's real. Maybe that one's real. That's from Jay Britz. My parents were there. Say things like, shaking like a possum shitting persimmon seeds. That sounds like it could work. <laughs> what the possum shaking? Then again, we've all had a, we've all had a good shake on the toilet before, have we not? We've all had a holding on to dear life shake, a shake session. I think we all have. Uh, Stostube says, what a better way to support great independent media than by dropping a super chat, wishing Mark Daga the happiest of birthdays today. Mark, happy birthday. That's a name. I know screen names over the years. Mark Daga is one of them. Best wishes, brother, and many more to come. Thank you, Frank, and a little shout-out to the Frankly fam out there. Thank you, Stostu. Wonderful people from Massachusetts. There is uh, no Rumble Rants to go to, so we can go along to some more calls. Thank you, Doug Simi, on the gold pills. I think it is a throwback Thursday on QuiteFrankly.tv afterwards. Something's going on, I'm sure. Uh, Castle uh, Drummer. Thank you. Sean Joe and Shook Me All Night Long. You guys, wonderful. Over there on QuiteFrankly.tv. That's the best place to be watching, uh, especially if you like the after-hour programming. But, of course, at 7 p.m., wherever you watch, I'm just happy you're watching. Let's go. Uh, 304, you're on the air. Hey, Frank. Yes. How hey, are you? this is Donna. Donna, welcome to the show. So give me a little something. You have some mountain talk for me? Yeah. Uh, loved your guests, but they left out some uh, lingo. Okay. And uh, my daddy, he he was born and raised in Summers County, West Virginia, and he used to say he used to say things like "looky yonder" or "over yonder." And then when you when you were talking, hopefully about something, you would always say "Lord willing," and the creek don't rise. Oh, I love this. This, 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 this by the way, uh, this is exactly what I was looking for. I I I love hearing this. So go ahead, more more. Okay, okay, and if someone was looking sickly or the garden wasn't doing well, it was said to be looking poorly. And um, I lived at the mouth of Oxley Holler. My husband lived in 
powder house holler and his daddy lived a stone's throw that's another good one a stone's throw from butcher holler which is of course where loretta lynn uh was raised and so we're a bunch of holler dwellers and i would take exception to what they said about hollers yeah you knew when the strangers came but if you were in distress you were going to be assisted if you were in that holler hmm. That's if you were in any kind of distress, you would be assisted in that holler. And then just a couple of other things, Frank. West Virginia is known for its pepperoni rolls. That's it a... is known for brown beans and cornbread, that combination. You put your you crumble your cornbread right into the brown beans. Oh god. And uh, buttermilk and cornbread again. You crumble it right into the buttermilk. And wilted lettuce, or my daddy used to call it, killed out. And that is you took fresh garden lettuce, and you had to look the lettuce. That means checking it over for bugs. You had to look and clean your lettuce. And then you got your bacon fat just as hot as you could over the skillet, and you poured it directly onto that lettuce. And that's what killed it down, and then you ate it right away while it was piping hot. And how did that taste? Oh, it was delicious. My daddy wouldn't share it. Oh, God. It, you know, the, the, it was his entire meal. He would bring the lettuce home for my mom to look at, and uh, that, that would be his entire meal. Wow. It would be a huge mi- mixing bowl full of it. This and is, but once you poured that hot bacon grease over it, it killed it down, and he called it kill down. And, uh, oh, yeah. I love Delicious that. Delicious things. You know, I, I can almost, I, I, can, I, I think I can imagine what it was like, because I love the way that Lauren um, makes spinach for me. Um, she would... Take uh, take the, the the spinach, and of course, it's just a little bit of little bit of oil, a little bit of oil and garlic, and the oil. And I'm thinking about bacon grease and lettuce, but now I'm thinking about olive oil and and um, and spinach. And it really does. It just it it comes down. What is a heaping pile of greens is then suddenly this really manageable, tasty pile of hot. Uh, you know, spinach, or I guess in this case, this case, I'm thinking about that. That's uh, what kind of lettuce? It can't be iceberg. It has to be like a romaine or something. Well, no, it, it's just it, any kind of garden lettuce will work. Whatever you get out of the garden, but but it has to be what you've gathered that day. It has to be very fresh. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question very about the fresh. about the one more question about the hollers. So, is this really just a a matter of geographical location, or there's something else that that ident- that that really imparts that identity that that uh, that title of holler to this this little well, community. It, it, uh, your guest had talked earlier about McDowell County, and it, you know there are places in West Virginia. It's very difficult, you know, to build on a mountainside. So naturally, you were looking for you were looking to build in a valley somewhere. And so, you know, little pops of houses would build up in these valleys, and they called they called them hollers. Um, and uh, 
my husband said, he said one of the reasons why they called him holler instead of hollow is because you could holler from one end to the other. That Okay, that makes a lot of sense. That makes <laughs> but, a lot of sense. But naturally, the, the houses would build up around there. And, and, yeah, we were probably a little bit territorial. But, but the thing about it is if you came into the holler and you were experiencing any kind of problem, car breakdown, whatever, as a community, we, we would be right there. I, lo- I love hearing these stories, and thank you so much for, for taking the time to call me tonight. This is a, I'm glad we got one of these in, especially with all the lingo that you gave us. I love that. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, you got me thinking about cornbread now, too. It's really killing me. I love cornbread. Love it. I love it. All right, let's take in Blue Ridge on Gilded. Are you there, Blue Ridge? Blue Ridge. And he just muted. Don't mute when I brought you in. Jeez. Blue Ridge, you there? Three. I'm here. Oh, okay. There you go. Good, good. Just at the last second. So, uh, what is on your mind, my friend? Well, talking about uh, Appalachian planes, all that. Yes, go ahead. Let, give it to me. My mom, it's a big storm that comes from the East Coast and ravages its way all up the way, all up its way the, of the East Coast. Cane, right? It, oh, wait, wait, wait. Are, did you just say a storm? Yeah, big storm. For some reason, you're cutting out. Um, I don't know if you have this, if you have your chat setting on push to talk or sensitivity or whatever, but if it's push to talk, just keep it down and don't move. Okay. 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 Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Now, now go right ahead. All right. So what's a, what you call a hurricane? What would I call a hurricane? Yeah. I would call it a, a a hurricane. Yeah. All right, so my mom from Appalachia, was it a hurricane? Hurricane. Just that, you know. Uh, uh, okay, well, I'm, then, I'm, I'm sorry, Blue Ridge. So a hurricane, it, that's just, there's something going on there. Can't really have a conversation like that. I hope that we get that um, that worked out because we have a, got people in that chat room for the first time and, that was let's let's see if this one works. IAB, do you hear me? IAB, they got bounced out. All right. Well, what do you have? Let's go back over to the general line. What is going on? You are on the air. Hello, Frank. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Teresa and I'm from East Tennessee. Oh, Teresa, and- it's great to have you on. Well, thank you. I have just a few little things that I've heard my entire life. I really didn't know it was unusual until I married someone from out west. And then when I would say these things, they would be like, what are you talking about? So just a few. It's like here farmers would move cows from one field to the other. And when the gate opens, the cows just walk across the road. It doesn't matter if a car's coming, a truck's coming. So a saying would be, if you're trying to drive and all the cars are just, you know, you can't pull out 
a saying would be, "Well, who opened the gate?" You know. Ah. Uh, so, I, I, I yeah. you know, I'm even, I'm going to start using that up here because all it is is traffic. <laughs> That's it. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's something to ask when you're you're uh, trapped on the Cross Bronx uh, Cross Bronx Expressway, trying to get over the uh, the GW Bridge. And you say, "Who opened the gate?" <laughs> it's yeah. Too much. That is so funny because the county where I live, there's only three red lights in the entire county. So if I leave my house and I, I we call it go into town, you know, to go to the grocery store, I may see five cars on the way so and so if you're a little kid and you want to you know your parents are trying to get you to hurry up they would say you better shake a leg i know this probably sounds crazy to you but you know i never thought anything about it until my husband's like what are you talking about shake a leg wait, wait, wait a second hurry up i've had no, wait a second Teresa. that that might be a little bit more uh widespread than you think i my grandparents have told us to shake a leg before then of course there's in my family, obviously, if you're if you're from if you have any kind of theater people in your life, uh, you're 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 told to break a leg all the time. Break a leg, because that's a that's a, a theater thing to say. I don't know if you knew that. I've heard that. I've heard break a leg, but well, yeah, you know why? I didn't know where it came from. Though. Well, th- break a leg. Break a leg. There's, there's two ways you can approach this. When a theater, that's what you say when you when you want to wish somebody good luck, you say, "Hey, break a leg." Um, but there's two reasons why you would say this. Number one, because you know to say, "Hey, break a leg," that it, it's already like the worst case scenario thing. It's almost like you're kind of jinx yourself into everything being okay. But the other thing there too is if you break a leg, if you are in theater and you're going to go audition somewhere, they say, "Hey, break a leg." Uh, what does your leg usually end up in? A cast, and you want to get uh, into the cast of the play. So that's why you're breaking a leg. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. There's one other that has, if it's raining really hard, you say, it's coming a gully washer. Oh. So I, <laughs> a belly washer? A gully washer. Oh, gully. A gully washer. There's lots of gullies around, you know, because you're on the mountainsides and... Yeah, so if it rains really hard, a lot of the little gullies, like the leaves, if it rains hard, all the leaves and debris will come up from the the gullies and, and the ditches. And then when you're driving down the mountainside, there will be leaves and sticks and limbs. So if it rains really hard, they, it overflows. So but you say it, if it's raining really hard, you're like, it is coming a gully washer. Oh, yeah. it's a lot, Well, the, Teresa, this is another great one. Thank you so much for the call tonight, and I hope all is well with you. Thank you. We enjoy your show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. I enjoyed the call. The only gully I know is Fern Gully. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Fern Gully. All right. It's 856. What a rich topic tonight because all of the phone lines are up. We've got we've got three people hanging out in uh, in Gilded, still working out the kinks there, but at least we got two people in in some way. Um, lots of people coming through from both lines. I could be here for another hour talking about real Appalachia. Throw an Appalachia. Oh, I like learning, don't you? Anyway, tomorrow's Friday night. Matt will be in here with six stitches in his head. We'll be able to talk to him about what the hell happened there. And, uh, and, and maybe some deer scene and maybe some other stuff. I have some, I have some cool stories that we can do and I'd love to, uh, to wrap up the week with you all, 7 o'clock p.m. tomorrow. Thank you, Joe M., on 
on Foxhole says, here you go. Thank you, Joe. Doug Simmy says, love you, man. Thank you. Alan Wrench, great people over there. I'm going to release the scratch. And you know something else I haven't done in a while? And someone told me that it's back in action. I'm going over to DLive right now. I usually, I watch people in DLive. I have the, um, the, the chat room up, but, but I heard that DLive, the, the treasure chest is back and there you go. I'm emptying the treasure chest for people on DLive again. God knows when that ever came back. I, uh, that's huge. So ladies and gentlemen on DLive, I still love you over there. I really do. And now I'm releasing the treasure chest. I'll make sure I do that more often as well. Thank you to everybody on Rumble. You've been wonderful. YouTube, the the uh, Twitch is still hanging around. Our Jacuzzi on Theta, Rockfin. It's great to have you all represented. And I will see you tomorrow night for the Friday finale. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll check you out in the chat room on quitefrankly.tv tonight for the after show. Hang out. Throwback Thursday. No. I didn't mean to I didn't mean to do any of this. Jeez. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film for a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Jay Britz, Stostube, and all of our wonderful friends over there on Foxhole. I just released those scratchings, though. All right, guys, you got another chance to scratch me tomorrow. 7 o'clock, be here or be square. There's another saying for you. Actually, that's not the saying. It's be there or be square. It doesn't even rhyme, you dumb cluck. Okay, Chief, take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife.